Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. I'm your host, Alex Burkett. This show is all about real-life stories, real motivations to inspire all generations. Remember to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow me on all my social medias in the description of the show. Today's guest features Josh Pauls. Josh is going to take you on his journey, how he got into sled hockey, making Team USA, writing a book, and much more. I want to start off the show with our quick fire challenge. The quote for this week is, the harder you work for something, the greater you'll feel when you achieve it. Think about that quote when you're listening to Josh Paul's interview today. Think about how hard did he work to get to Team USA. In addition, think about your life. Think about the experiences you have taken on. Did you start working at minimal effort or did you try to achieve all goals to the fullest? Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview of Josh Pauls. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing great, Alex. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Nice sunny day outside. Can't complain. So we're going to get into it. Um, talk about, as a child, um, your condition um, as an infant, and how did it play an effect at a young age? Sure. So um, I was born with a condition called tibial hemomelia. Um, so that basically it's a fancy word for saying that my uh, shin bones were kind of uh, not there. So I didn't have tibias, which is the largest uh, weight-bearing bone in my leg beside my femur. And so uh, at 10 months old, my parents made the decision to uh, have them amputated at the knee. So um, a lot of people can look at this as something that's you know not so great or um, a real large challenge in life, but I never really saw it like that. Um, growing up, I always kind of knew I was different. I couldn't always uh, participate in sports. Um, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say I couldn't participate because I could. I had a really supportive uh, support system around me, whether it was classmates or friends or uh, my family. They always encouraged me to go out and try stuff. But I knew I just wasn't able to get that kind of competitive energy out because um, I was starting from a position that was disadvantaged from the get-go. So, um it really, I always knew I was different um, when I was a little bit younger. I used to kind of hide the fact that I used, used prosthetics to walk. Um, I even stopped using them for a little bit. But for me, it was more about making sure that um, I was comfortable in my own skin. And right around when I went to high school, I started really figuring that out and figuring out how I was able to be comfortable. And so for me, um, I disability or any challenges I face have always been a source of inspiration in some way that I could uh, kind of differentiate myself from the pack because, you know, when it comes to a job interview, when it comes to applying for schools, you want to differentiate yourself from from everybody else. And that was a way that I basically had a a pre-built-in way to differentiate myself. So uh, that led to a lot of great things in my life, whether it's, you know, playing hockey, writing a book, um, so I, I look at it more as a blessing than I do a challenge. Was it hard to make friends at a young age knowing what you were going through or did you kind of 
put it behind Juice and said, I'm just going to go for it and just try my best. Yeah, I mean, it never really affected the way I, I made friends. I had some friends, uh, I had tons of friends when I was younger, and uh, now I've started paring that down a little bit just because I've made the move from uh, New Jersey to, to Missouri, so I'm not able to keep up with as many people back home. But um, I definitely made lifelong friends when I was in school and through college and even now, so I don't think it ever really affected the way that I did. Um, but I knew that if people weren't willing to um, accept who I was or how I was, then that I didn't need them as a friend because I had plenty others. So um, it never really affected that, I don't think. So with sports being a challenge at a young age, did you get involved in anything or did you try to do any activities at a young age? Yeah, I tried out a number of adaptive sports. Um, I mean, I was a regular participant in gym class. Like I remember even um, my high school gym teacher cut down a, a hockey stick when we played ball hockey on the gym floor. Uh, so I could play without my prosthetics on. And so um, that was kind of cool to, to be able to be included, even though I knew I wasn't able to perform, you know, as a, as a top performer. But uh, I ended up trying out a couple different adaptive sports. Wheelchair basketball was one I looked, I watched, and I just decided it wasn't for me. I mean, those guys are, are real violent. They're popping, going head over wheels. Like, it's it's full contact. You wouldn't expect basketball to be full contact with you know, how sometimes the NBA in college can be, but um, wheelchair basketball is a whole different animal, but I, it never really piqued my interest. Uh, my interest had always been hockey, and uh, when I was eight years old, I found a, a hockey program. Uh, it was a sled team, sled hockey team down in uh, South Jersey, so um, sled hockey, for anybody that's listening that doesn't know, it's uh, an adaptive sport for anybody with a lower body disability. Um, all the rules are the same, so same penalties apply, same net size, same rink surface, um, but instead of uh, standing up on skates, we sit down. Uh, we have skate blades underneath, um, on top of them, and then on top is a metal frame along with a bucket seat on top of that. And so um, we have two sticks instead of one, and we have metal teeth at one end and the blade to play the puck at the other end. So um, unlike stand-up hockey, we have to choose whether we're skating or we're handling the puck. It's really difficult to do both uh, because we're using our arms for everything now. Uh, where stand-up players are able to use their legs to skate and hands to move the puck. Um, so that was something that I found. I tried it once, absolutely hated it, don't know why. Um, but I decided that it just wasn't for me, and the team was far enough away where my parents realistically couldn't drive me down to practice to play. So um, I had to wait a couple of years until a team opened up in my area called the Woodbridge Warriors. And uh, I, uh, I started that there. My parents said, hey, let's give it one more try. And for whatever reason, I absolutely loved it. So it was something that I could finally be passionate about. I was on a level playing field with everybody else. And I could really – it was something I could excel at, which was, some, was, which was really what I was looking for. And so uh, I ended up falling in love with that, and it was just something that I, uh, I, I still love to this day. Did you have any inspirations while you were playing? Did you look up to anyone? Or what motivated you during your time at a young age with hockey? Um, I mean, the primary motivation for me was, one, it was being around like-minded people and just people that had the same challenges as I did because I think having a sense of community, it's, it's big in hockey and it's big in the disabled community, but it's also huge when you can find those other people living with similar challenges that have the same interests as you. And so um, I gained some lifelong friends from that first team I played on. And um, it 
was something that I really enjoyed. And that was, I think, my primary motivation, especially early on when I first started. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know half the rules, but I, I knew I, I really enjoyed playing the game. And so I never really had any higher expectations when I was younger just because I was just having a blast playing. And, you know, my parents would always try to get me extra ice time if they could. And But it was all, it was all based on what I wanted to do. Uh, my dad would always come up to me and say, hey, if you want some – some more ice time, I can find it for you. But I'm not going to get it if you don't want it. So you have to tell me that you want to do it, and then I'll go find it. I'm not going to force you into anything. And I think that was awesome just from the perspective of I was – it was my passion that controlled what I did. You know, I hear a lot of stories about kids being on the ice, you know, five, six, seven times a week, and it just seems like so much. And most of it's their parents saying, hey, we need to get you a private skills coach or a, a – coach here or a strength coach here and I think there are benefits to everything but I think for me everything in moderation especially as a kid I was just out there to have fun and you know what if something happens and I end up making it to a higher level level that's great um, but it should be my decision it shouldn't be anybody else's would you say the mentality is important for kids or young adults to making sure that they have the right mindset when they're going through this process, making sure that they want to go for it. Like your parents said, uh, making sure that you want to be on the ice and not just saying it because they just feel like they should need to give it to you. Oh, definitely. I think mindset's a huge thing no matter what you're doing, whether you're playing sports, whether you're a kid, whether you're an adult. Um, I mean, I use diff different mindset techniques all the time. I'm a, a big self-talker, so it might seem weird to, for me. Sometimes I'll be talking to myself, but it's really just me kind of working myself through, you know, whether I, whether it could be tasks during the day or it could be um, me just trying to figure out what my schedule's like. So I could I might be talking out loud, but for me, I'm talking to myself to figure out, okay, what do I need to do? How can I do it? What's the best way to do it and accomplish it? And so, I mean, mindset's huge because if you don't want to do something, you're not going to, you're not going to do it uh, very well. I can guarantee you that. So ensuring that you're, you enjoy what you're doing and you're able to put your best foot forward and put a hundred percent effort into it because you don't ever want to sit there and go, oh, well, I could have put more effort into this and this would have been better. You don't want to kind of look back on and have that regret because regret doesn't really do anything for you because the events already passed, right? There's nothing you can do to change it. So. It's something that you have to work on. Um, it's not something that just comes naturally and stays with you. So having the right mindset, you have to train yourself to do it, but it's uh, it's a worthwhile endeavor, I believe. So now talk about how did you get into, when you moved to Missouri, did you start with a local team or were you already going through the process to get to Team USA? So... I started my national team career, uh, I started with the junior national team when I was 14. Um, I hopped on that team and made and tried out and made that team. Um, so I was able to play, it was basically a, an under 20 team, basically a feeder program for the U.S. national team. Um, it wasn't taken over by USA Hockey or anything like that. Um, it was just a way for us to help for, you know, a couple of guys named uh, Tom Kester and Tom Brake to really develop uh, the next wave of talent for the U.S. and in the sport of sled hockey. So I started there, and then um, when I was 15 years old, I made the national team. I got a call from the general manager, and they invited me up to a camp. Um, it wasn't official. I was on the team. Um, it was kind of a tryout by uh, 
my training camp basis. And I guess I did enough to, to stick around for a little bit. It helped that we had one guy that was hurt for a while. So um, they didn't have to kind of get rid of me to trim the roster for anything. And uh, that was the 2008-2009 season. And then we ended up going to uh, Ostrava, Czech Republic, for the World Championships that year. And we ended up winning our first ever, the U.S.'s first ever world title. Now, I'll be completely honest, I just had, I had the best seat in the house. I was on the bench most of the time. But to be able to experience something like that at such a young age was was phenomenal because, you know, we, we got to win uh, against Canada in the semifinals, a team that had beaten us um, the entire time that I had known about the national team. And so for us to beat them in a shootout in the semis and then beat Norway, who had never lost a, in a final, I don't think, uh, in recent memory, and they were just such a powerhouse. So for, for us to be able to beat both those teams back-to-back almost, it was, uh, it was an unreal experience. And then I ended up going to the uh, Paralympic Games in 2010 after uh, I got cut that summer between the World Championship year and the Paralympics. Uh, they decided they had other guys that were stronger, faster, more experienced. Um, and so I got cut, but they said, hey, well, you'll be at the first one we call if we need somebody. And uh, just so happened there was a guy that retired mid-season. They called me back up, and then I survived three other cuts uh, to make it to the Paralympic Games. I was the youngest member of the team, and then uh, we ended up going 5-0, and uh, won all five games we played, and then won the gold medal that year as well without conceding a single goal. So um, roundabout answer. But uh, I had already had some national team experience. But when I moved uh, out to St. Louis, um, I moved from uh, playing for a New York team called the Rangers to uh, a team out in St. Louis called the DASA St. Louis Blues. And so um, I was able to play both on the national team and the local level. The local level was more fun. Um, I wouldn't say more fun, but it was um, I, I, there wasn't as much pressure. Uh, I got to hang out with some people, I, and that team really helped me acclimate myself to kind of living on my own. Um, in college, I had just started, uh, especially from a new area, and a lot of people that went to Linwood University from, were from the St. Louis area. So they would use the uh, typical St. Louis question of, uh, well, what, what, where did you go to high school? And so I'd tell them, uh, Watchung Hills Regional. They're like, where the heck is that? I'm like, it's New Jersey. And they're like, oh, well, that's why. I'm like, well, why would you ask me? I didn't realize that it was a, a St. Louis question, and, and high school was so uh, ingrained to people around here, but because we all know uh, each other, primarily you know you hear things about each other's school, and then you just want to talk about it. I remember getting those questions all the time when I started at Lindenwood. <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to know what they what they think they know about you. So, uh, so that was definitely interesting. But that team definitely helped me adjust to kind of being on my own. Because I mean, I had been on you know national team trips, a world championship trip can take up to two weeks so I was used to kind of being on my own and having um, other people I had to rely on besides like my parents and my family but it was definitely different uh, being out at school for nine months out of the year more or less and uh, having to kind of do that on my own so that that team really helped me kind of adjust and uh, and then I continued on the national team as well. So going back to uh, when you were 14 or 15 when you were benched for those games um, just watching since your team was doing well, what were you picking up during those times? Were you thinking, how can I play better? What can I do different to get eventually get on the ice? What was kind of your mindset during those times? Well, in games, I mean, I kind of had an expectation that I wasn't going to play a ton. I was going to play against a select opponents that uh, maybe weren't as strong as some of our higher competition like Canada and Norway. And so 
Um, for me, on the bench, I wanted to be a positive influence. I wanted to say, hey, great shift. Go get him next time. You're, you're getting close to getting a goal. I wanted to be basically the team cheerleader as much as I could without being obnoxious. Uh, because if I'm going to sit on the bench, I want to be useful. And so I want to make sure that, you know, even if I'm not playing, I'm still an asset to the team because that's what's going to keep me around. And then, you know, during practices, during warm-ups, no matter what it was, anytime I had a chance, I wanted to sit there and go, okay, I want to find a way to get better. So whether it was really focusing on my shot one practice or focusing on my defensive positioning, it all depended on the practice at hand, but I wanted to make sure that one, I got better, and two, I was able to show that I was ready for that next step and ready to take the ice, because that's really where it comes down to is you see that progress in practice. You aren't going to see it in games right away. And so, I mean, it took me year after year after year, ever, before every game, before every, pra- before every game, actually, I would tell myself, I would say, hey, this is your breakout game. And it took probably 40 games before what what I when I finally st- started from when I stopped because I finally realized that you know what this was my breakout game I made a made an impact I don't totally remember exactly what game that was but I know it took a while and there were a lot of times that I came out of that out of the game uh, showered up after and I said you know what that wasn't my breakout game oh I only got two shifts but I never wanted to look at it as the coach didn't want me to play because I didn't didn't want it I wasn't ever personal. I just knew that there were better people for the job that I was going to go out and do. And so I didn't want to look at it as, oh, well, this guy doesn't like me because he's not playing me. It was more, what can I do? Because I can't control what the coach does. I can't control his actions. I can't control who he picks to, to go on the ice. But I can control my work ethic, my attitude. I can control how much better I get every practice. Uh, I can control all those things to give myself the best chance to for him to want to pick me to put be on the ice. And so um, we ended up having a coaching change after the year, after 2011. And uh, we had brought in a coach called Jeff Sauer. He had coached at a Colorado College and University of Wisconsin in stand-up hockey, won a couple national titles with uh, Wisconsin. And so having him brought in was a huge boon to my career. Um, he really taught me how to play the right way, how to have fun with it, um, how to – I don't know how to improve myself and how to just be a genuinely good person. And so um, I think he was a huge reason why I ended up finally having my breakout game after 40 games. But um, it was, it it really just comes down to determination. Like you got to figure out what you can do better, how you can improve. And if you don't know, you got to ask somebody, I mean, it's not always a a fun thing to say, Hey, I suck at this. What can I do to get better? But, uh, but I remember we had a, a backup goalie named Mike Blayback and, when I first started, he, he'd tell me, hey, go out and shoot some pucks at home. Like, you've got a wounded duck. The puck is kind of fluttering when you shoot it at me. And uh, now we've gotten to the point where every once in a while he'll have to fill in for a club game. And uh, he looks at me every time I shoot, and he goes, well, you actually went home and shot pucks. I don't like it anymore. So <laughs> it, it's those moments that you realize that you did the right things and you were able to uh, positively uh, you know, take feedback and actually use it. Would you say you had a mentor on your Team USA teams or even your local teams? Man, I've had a lot of people. I don't think I don't think I could really point out one person that's totally totally helped me. I mean, honestly, I'm somebody that likes to take a little bit from everyone. So, you know, uh, our goalie Steve Cash, this dude, that guy works harder than anybody else I've ever met. Like he battles through whether it's in a game or in practice or in a workout, like the guy just battles through. 
And, uh, I mean, he's a cancer survivor, so I looked at, up to him for a little bit anyway. But for to see that, that work ethic and for me to think, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Um, he was a, a tremendous influence in my life for that. And um, another guy, Taylor Lipset, he was uh, someone that just kind of taught me how to kind of go about my business, how to treat it treat every game just like it was a, another high-stakes game so that when you actually got to those high-stakes games, you never really felt like there was a ton more pressure. It was just another day. And so uh, I remember one thing he said to me right before we were going to Vancouver. I had just been moved from uh, defense to forward, and I had never really played forward. And we were on the bench before talking a little bit, and I was like, yeah, you know, I just kind of wish I was playing defense. And he looked at me, and he goes, well, yeah, but the ticket to Vancouver is as a forward. And for whatever reason, that – that you know, short sentence really changed the way I looked at me, myself. Like, I went from I want to be a defenseman, I'm just a forward for now, to I want to be the de- best damn forward that they've ever had. So I really need to make sure that I'm doing everything I can uh, to one earn more ice time, but also to to show my teammates that I'm I'm here 100. percent And so that changed the way I totally thought about. Um, I got rid of my ego and checked that at the door, and then made sure that I was ready to uh, to really excel at whatever role they stuck me in because what that meant was I got to play on the team and I got to be in, in the Paralympic Games. And for me, that's the pinnacle of the sport and something that I dreamed of, and I never knew I'd get the chance at 17 years old. So um, I had a lot of people influence me, and I've been able to take a little bit from everybody. And it's it's been a great ride because I've had a lot of – I've been fortunate to have a lot of people that – I could consider role models that I could look up to and I could ask questions at and um, they all were willing to help me I think is the biggest thing it's people ask for help all the time but you have to have the willingness to to give back and so that's something that I want to continue to do just because I had so many other people do it for me that if I can help one other person then I've done my job and pass it on have you been asked for um, giving advice to any younger players on like your local team or the Team USA team now after you were given the advice? Yeah, um, as captain of the national team and just an overall uh, experienced player, I do get asked a lot. And so uh, so for me to be able to, to help other people and talk about, you know, what we can what they can work on and what I've seen, um, it's, it's humbling a little bit, but it also it, it kind of shows me what my job is now. I Yeah, I need to play well, and playing well is the best way to, to stay on the team, but I need to make sure that I'm able to, to help others and set the team up for success when I'm done because I'm not going to play forever um, as much as I'd love to say that I am. Um, there is going to come a time that I'm going to step down from the national team, and I want to make sure that that team's as well prepared for success as, as possible. And, um, well, it's a collective effort. Um, I want to make sure I'm doing my part. So it, it's nice to, to be asked for advice. And um, after we won in 2018, we had a, a war vet who's also my roommate, Ralph D. Quebec. He, it was his first year on the team. And I remember after we Declan Farmer scored the game-winning goal in overtime in that game, uh, we had a huge – I mean, we had a huge celebration on the ice, and he gave me a huge hug. He said, I've learned so much from you. And that, like, that meant a ton to me was – to be able to say, like, I, I was really really able to help him uh, go from brand new to the national team to him putting in, in the work, and I don't know, I was able to help guide him a little bit. I mean, most of the work comes from those guys, right? Because I can give as much advice as I want, and anybody can give, can get as much advice as they want. But unless you start actually putting it to, to use, it's no good, and it doesn't really change anything. 
I think everyone that's listening to this can definitely use that advice is if you are asking for that advice, definitely try to utilize it in your daily use. Like when I'm at work, I try to ask my manager who has a different perspective on marketing and stuff. So if I can gain a bits and pieces from what she learned and that she's given me and I'm using it in my work, it definitely shows that I'm willing to learn and I want to grow as a person because I don't know everything in my industry and going to these people who have had 25 years of experience, it's rewarding to know that they're willing to take the time out of their day to teach me. And it kind of shows that with you, where you went to and got advice and now you're definitely taking the time to give back and help those younger people. I had a conversation with fellow DASA Blues member Chris McCoy and he said the same thing. He loves learning from you and getting to know the ins and outs and how he can become a better player. And it kind of just shows that as a captain you are, you're definitely doing a great job at bats. Oh, I appreciate it, but I mean, I think that really goes to show, you know, what it means to, to be a lifelong learner because I mean, I'll, I'll be blunt with it. I completed my bachelor's degree, completed a master's degree. And I've, I think I told you uh, a couple weeks ago that I'm done. I'm done with formal education, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that you, you can stop learning. I think anybody that gets to the point that decides I know everything um, is when you start to really fail because you never know completely know everything and there's always chances to learn and improve. Now, some people may just not want to, and that's their choice. But, um, the way I have it, I'm, you got to make sure that you're willing to learn because as much as vice as I'm giving, I'm also taking from other people, even if they are less experienced or younger, because everybody has a different perspective and you can learn a lot from other people's perspectives. Definitely. I think I use uh, Linda Learning, which is a program with LinkedIn, and they always are uploading courses and uh, classes that you can keep on learning, and there's always something out there that will pique someone's interest, and using those features, going to free online classes are a great way to continue the education, even if you're not going through a university to get a master's or a PhD any of that so during college i remember we talked that you started coaching talk about how you took um your experience being a player and how did you incorporate that incorporate that into coaching um i mean coaching is really just passing on your knowledge from what you've learned basically when you're playing more or less so um it was something that i was passionate about and i still wanted to eventually get into it um, no matter what the level, but coaching is, it, it's fun. It's rewarding because, you know, you've gone, I've gone through the moments where something's finally clicked and I finally realized, Hey, that's what that guy was talking about all those years. And so for me to watch those players have that aha moment, that's one of the biggest things that I love, whether I'm speaking, whether I'm coaching, whether I'm playing, like I want, I love seeing those players have that aha moment of, Oh, I finally figured it out. And then they go execute. So you know, watching the progress people make it, it is something that I really enjoy. And, you know, especially, I especially love the people that, you know, may not have the most confidence in themselves and then they get elevated to a position um, where, you know, they are successful. And because they put in the work, even if they don't have that self-confidence yet, 
uh, it's really rewarding to see because you finally realize that they understand that they can do whatever they, they want to achieve and they can um, put the work in and, and see those results. So for me, it's more about watching other people's development and growth, which is I think is just a fascinating topic in and of itself. Uh, but also seeing how people develop as people, not just hockey players. That's really the biggest thing that I think um, we need to inject and, and make sure we're continuing to do in youth sports is making sure that the person comes first and then the player comes second because um, the, being a good person can lead to being a good player, but being a good person is going to totally uh, change the way a, a person functions in day-to-day life because, I mean – Honestly, there's only about one, I mean, maybe 2% of the total world population that's ever going to play a professional sport. And so we want to make sure that our people are geared up to go and fill whatever role they're going to have in society and be able to do that effectively. And to do that, you have to teach good morals, good character. And I think that leads to a lot more success, whether it's on the ice or off of it. So if you look back, even though your hockey career is still going on, because you have a few gold medals in you. What would you say is your favorite accomplishment or memory in your hockey career so far? My favorite accomplishment or memory is, uh, I mean, there's been a bunch. It's been a lot of fun. And, uh, I mean, there have been moments where I've sat there and gone, like, this is really awesome. But I think probably the best part was um, in 2018 when we played in the uh, Paralympics. We swept everybody through the uh, – preliminary round in the semifinal we played Canada in the gold medal game and we ended up losing two of our best defensemen um right before that game so we had a couple guys that ended up dressing uh that weren't expecting to um and you know we were down two of our best defensemen and typically we only play with four so that's half of our guys uh we had a forward Jack Wallace moved back to D he had played defense before but um, it was kind of a patchwork kind of thing and so uh I know when we went down one nothing in the first minute or first couple minutes of the game uh, it was kind of deflating, but then we ended up picking up some momentum, but we hadn't scored anything. And then finally the third period rolls around, and it's it's crunch time. I remember looking up at the four-minute mark of uh, of the game, four minutes being left in the game, and I sat there and thought, all right, we might want to do something here. We probably got to, uh, I don't know, do anything to, to get a goal because, I mean, we're running out of time. And uh, Canada came down after we pulled our goalie for an extra player, and uh, they came down on the empty net, basically on a breakaway. They hit the post, and then we recovered it, and uh, we ended up pushing the puck down. I don't think we made too many passes. It was more got to a Canadian guy. We hit the next guy, and we pushed it further into their zone, and then uh, Declan Farmer uh, scored the, the game tying, and then eventually the game-winning goal in overtime. But to, one, be a part of that team and have that comeback, to even if even with all the adversity we had, we had faced throughout that day and throughout that, that trip, it was one, it felt really rewarding, but also um, we had lost our head coach, Jeff Sauer, to pancreatic cancer uh, the that February or the February before, I guess, because it was in March. So uh, a little over a year ago, a year before that. And for us to be able to do that for him, because everybody was passionate about him and he had done so much. He was just a great, great guy overall. Um, he was way better person than he was a hockey coach. And he was a phenomenal hockey coach, so that says something about him. And so for us to be able to win for him um, was something I always remember. And I always remember the I had a we had a poster made for him that had his name on it, and 
Uh, I remember them taking it away during the anthem because, or during the medal ceremony, because you couldn't have certain things out when you were receiving your medals. But I remember getting it back for the national anthem and holding that and singing the national anthem off key with uh, everybody else on the team, and it was just such a fun moment to to really be sure that we we did it for each other, but we also did it for him. That was probably the most rewarding moment I've ever had in my hockey career. So during this time or during your hockey career, you pursued a bachelor's degree. Talk about your college experience. How was that for you? How did you maintain the schedule with playing hockey plus with classes? And what were you involved in? Oh, I mean, time management was big because being a national team athlete and a college student didn't mix too well. I'm pretty happy to be done with those days. Um, but, you know, I went out to Lindenwood University. I'm from New Jersey, so it's about a thousand miles uh, difference. So I had to drive out, kind of be on my own. Um, ended up getting my bachelor's in a sport in sport management, which is basically a business degree that's uh, focused a little bit more on around sports specific uh activities such as sales and event management, things like that. Um, so I was able to pursue that and complete that in tw- uh, 2016. And I uh, joined uh, the fraternity Phi Delta Theta my last year there. And uh, that was probably one of the best things I've, I've done in my college career just because, you know, it helped me gain friends, but it also helped me kind of push myself a little bit further, even than what I was already doing. So for me, um, doing stuff like that, it, not only separated me from the pack, but it also helped me form connections to people that I may not have met otherwise. So um, I'm always big on living in the moment and being able to, to realize that I made such a great decision and helped me meet my fiance. Um, it really, it, it did a lot of things for me. And so um, for me, it was, it was a really great moment to, to join a fraternity, even though I was a little skeptical at first, I never really thought of myself as somebody that would do that, but um, it, it was something that I, I'm really proud to have done, and I look back with really fond memories of. So going back to when you were talking about at a younger age, going for it, trying things out, did you have that mentality when going during rush to just go for it, try it to see if it fit you, and see where it would take you? Yeah, sort of. I mean, uh, the president at the time uh, ended up, sending out a bunch of messages that actually sounded not pre-recorded, but like pre-written. And he just, it kind of seemed like he just sent out, sent it out to a bunch of different people. It was like, you're a leader on campus and we want you to join this. And I was like, I was kind of skeptical. I was like, man, this guy just, he sounds like a telemarketer just in college. And, uh, but I was like, you know what, if I sit there and I have dinner with him and I say, you know what, I'm not interested. It's a waste of a half hour. Like, Oh, well I can spare a half hour of my time. Um, Whereas if I just decided not to, and then I saw how great it became and I wasn't a part of that, like how much regret would I look back on? So I wanted to make sure I gave it a, a, a good, honest effort to see if it was something and it ended up being something that piqued my interest and I wanted to, uh, to be a part of it. So I, uh, I really had to kind of convince myself, you know what, just go try it. it it's going to be worth it. If not, then, oh, well, you, you're out a half hour of your life. You got plenty of those. So. Um, for me, it was something that, you know, you, you have to go out and try things. You have to push the limit and you have to kind of push the envelope of what you're comfortable in. Because if all you do is stay in your, stay in your comfort zone, you're never going to grow. You're just going to stay status quo. And so that's why, you know, I'm a big proponent of always learning, uh, always pushing yourself. And even if, if you can't end, end up pushing yourself, find the people that will push you and help you grow um, as well. So it, it can, it's partially 
um, you know, my personal mindset, but I also have a lot of good people around me that push me to be better every day. Do you have a favorite memory during that time? During like, Fido? Fido, college, something that you'll remember for the rest of your life. I think you've kind of maybe have said it, meeting your fiance um, is definitely a big moment for you. Um, I mean, it's pretty big, but I think the way it kind of happened was kind of nonchalant and it turned into something great. And I think actually, you know what, now that you bring that up, it's probably a, a great example because, uh, my buddy John just had some, had one of the, uh, had his eventual wife's, uh, friend who needed a, uh, a date to their formal. So John just wanted somebody to hang out to, out with. So, uh, I ended up taking Katie out or Katie to the formal and then we ended up hanging out and nobody, neither of us really knew we were dating for a while. And then it just kind of happened to where we figured out like, yeah, I like being around, around you for a while. And I guess we should give it a shot. And so, um, for me, it was, it started out as, oh, well, I'm just taking this girl to the formal so I can hang out with John. And it turned into probably one of the best things in my life. So, um, I mean, you never really know what you're going to find. You just got to go in with an open mind. And so for, for me to be able to do that and that happened, I mean, yeah, it's one in a million. It might not happen to everybody, but um, it worked out pretty well and kind of shows what new things can do for, for people. Talk about your post-transition from college. Did you did you stick with sports management areas or what was the process like? How did you find a new job? Um, so I ended up using a program through the U.S. Olympic Committee. Uh, now it's called the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee um, that helped uh, athletes get part-time work. So I was working at Dick Sporting Goods uh, towards the end of college and then right through the right through the year after. Um, but I ended up getting a job that had nothing to do with sports. I was a uh, an account executive for a uh, finance company. And so I ended up doing a little bit of sales for that. And then I ended up stopping and uh, I ended up quitting my job to become a uh, motivational or keynote speaker, whatever you want to call it. Um, I wrote a book as well. Um, my journey, my, or yeah, my journey, my, hold on, like lessons learned, my journey to the podium. Sorry about that. And so, um, for me, it was, it was more of something. It wasn't anything that I, I think anybody did wrong. I didn't, um, hate the job I was doing. It just wasn't something that I felt that I could do for years and years and years and, and be happy with. Um, so I wanted, I've always been someone that's been driven by myself and had to kind of push myself. And, um, I've always thought about being my own boss and being in charge of my success because ultimately that's what it comes down to. I can have tons of people help me and give me advice, but if I don't actually put that into, into use, then I'm not going to be very successful. So, um, becoming a speaker really helped me. Um, one, it helped me kind of make sure that I was in charge of my own success, but also, um, it gave me something that I was passionate about because I can sell my story. I can sell, um, the events that have taken place, I can talk a lot about that a lot more than I can uh, about financing products. So um, it was also an interesting thing because I'm not someone that enjoys doing the monotonous tasks. So finding ways to, to present myself with new challenges. Um, they're definitely a lot more than I was with a small company, but it's definitely uh, something that I really enjoy. You talked about writing a book, which listeners, it's a great book. Everyone should read it. Um, it talks about his experiences and his journey, basically his rise to the challenge. What was the message you were presenting with writing that book? 
Um, well, I wanted it to be applicable for people of all ages, of all different walks of life. I didn't want it to be just a hockey-specific book because I think there are a lot more people that can benefit from it than just the hockey community. So um, for me, I wanted to make sure that the it was really just about the lessons I had learned in my time playing on the national team, playing hockey, growing up. I mean, I, I've learned so much, and I wanted to pass that on. And for me, it was a way that I could indirectly pass on um, things I've learned to people that I may not even know. So um, it was something that I wanted, I thought about, uh, hadn't totally committed to or really given it a ton of thought. But uh, the more I was on my own, it helped me fill my days with um, an exercise, and it was a new challenge. So now looking in your future, what does the next few years look like? What do you want to accomplish? What are your next goals? I had a couple of things canceled by that, but it's nothing I can, uh, can't really uh, get past. So for me, I really wanted to make sure that I, I want to grow my speaking business. I want to make that the, the major source of my income. I want to make sure that I'm able to, to survive on that. But, um, but I, I, I'm not really sure kind of what the, the future holds. I mean, getting married uh, next year. So that's going to be a little bit of a change and we're going to end up moving out of this apartment. So, um, there are a couple of things in the future, and I want to continue to play hockey for sure. Um, I know the big thing is there's Beijing in 2022, and then there's Milan, Italy in 2026. So uh, that may be the uh, the end goal, to get to Milan so that uh, Katie and my family can uh, take a trip out to Italy. But uh, for me, it's, it's going to be uh, – we're going to kind of play it by ear. We're going to take the punches as they roll because uh, – I want to have a plan, but I also I want to have goals, but I also want to be flexible in the way I attain those because you never know what life's going to throw at you and you got to make sure that you're flexible enough to deal with it. So to recap our whole conversation today, if a listener is wanting to take a few things from your rise to the challenge, what would be those key messages you would want to tell them? Well, I've got three. One, don't be afraid to try things. Uh, two, make sure you sub surround yourself with like-minded people that can serve as a good support system, whether it's friends, family, uh, teammates, classmates, whatever it may be. And finally, I mean, just don't be afraid to go for things. I mean, you, you may fail it, but in the end, failure is just a learning experience. It's not the end-all, be-all uh, most times. So you just got to make sure you're ready for the opportunity. And if you fail, it just means you weren't ready. And you can better prepare yourself for the next opportunity that arises. Those are definitely great tips to give the listeners. I would really want to appreciate you, Josh, for taking the time out to talk about your story. And hopefully we can't wait to see what happens in your future. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Tune in next time for the next person's Rise to the Challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let me know your challenges that you're going through by messaging me and following me on all my social medias. Remember, Rise of the Challenge is all about real life stories, real motivations to inspire all generations. Have a great day, everyone.